Good morning, everybody. It is, it's a joy to be with you. Um, we are busy with our second Connect Sunday of, of the lockdown period, and uh, we trust everyone is doing well. We've had some incredible feedback from, from so many people in, in our church family and our church community, and we are just so excited about what God is doing in your lives, even though we can't be together and how God is helping us to use technology to stay connected as a family. So well done to all the Connect Group leaders. We want to thank you to everyone that's been contributing to our daily devotionals out of the Gospel of John. John, we want to thank you. And um, yeah, so we, we're excited about being here. We're getting better at, uh, at how we do things. And um, we, we trust that you that you are excited and blessed and ready for, for what we want to share as we continue in our study of John. But before we get there, I know that there's a, there's a couple of people that, uh, that had their birthdays. The one person that I know of is Dirk, had his 30th birthday. We just want to congratulate him. Dirk, uh, we will send you a digital chocolate as well. And um, trust that you had an incredible time with Marty and that you guys will be blessed and know God's presence in the season and also in God's calling for your life. So we, we're excited for you and we, we want to bless you. Everyone else there, I don't know of any other birthdays. Maybe you can just send us birthdays on, uh, on Facebook. Just if you know of someone who had their birthday in the last week or two, that'll be great just to celebrate with them and to, and to pray with them. Friends, we, we are getting into the... Gospel of John, uh, as we've said quite a few times, the Gospel of John is one of the most fascinating Gospels for me personally, um, because we understand that in the Gospel of John, Jesus is portrayed as the Son of God. We, we have seen how in the Gospel of John, Jesus does miracles often. Uh, we see miracles being done. We see Jesus in relation to his disciples, in his relationship with his disciples. We see Jesus in his relationship with, with the Pharisees. We see Jesus in his relationship with, with Jews that started following him because he did, one, uh, um, he did signs, uh, miracles. And it is, it's fascinating as we study through the book of John that we see three groups of people. Uh, in the beginning, you see... More Jesus' focus on his disciples and the Jews. And then from chapter 8 onwards, we start seeing Jesus, uh, Jesus having more interaction with the Pharisees as well. And it's incredible to see how Jesus addresses these three groups and how he's trying to lead them from one level of understanding of who he is to the next. Jesus is specifically and purposefully trying to lay foundation in the lives of these people. And the importance for that is, is that we understand that our, dis our foundations will determine whether we will stand when the storm comes, whether we will stand in the storm. Now, I don't know exactly who is watching us, but I know there might be people with, with solid foundations and that this storm is difficult, it's uncomfortable, but it's not affecting your worship. I know there's people that might be very new in their relationship with God. Uh, and I want to encourage you to continue building foundations. I also know that 
if we look at the Gospel of John, there, there might be people that is quite averse to the Gospel and someone forced you to be, to be watching this live, live church um, cast on, on, on Facebook. And um, so I apologize on their behalf, but I also pray that God will reveal himself to you in this session as we spend this short time together. Let's just look at the three responses to Jesus out of the book of John. We see firstly the critics, if I can just look at, if I can start with the Pharisees, because we've studied the Pharisees the last two, three days, but the Pharisees were the critics. They contradicted Jesus' teaching. Every time Jesus taught something, they contradicted it. They wanted to get people off what Jesus said, and they purposefully tried to bring confusion in the message. The, I think one of the reasons that they did that is because Jesus' teaching took them as Pharisees out of the center of people's focus. If Jesus was the center, then the Pharisees was almost on the side. They were not the focus, and the Pharisees did not like that. They did not like the fact that their teachings were pushed to the side to put Jesus in the middle. So the Pharisees contradicted Jesus' teaching. Then, we, then we, moved to, uh, we moved to the Jews, the crowd. All right, so first we started with the critics. That's the Pharisees. The second, uh, the second group is the crowd, the Jews. The Jews, when, when Jesus in John 6 uh, multiplied the bread and the fish, you see as John 6 progressed that this crowd that followed Jesus, even they went across the Sea of Galilee to be with him again. At the end of John 6, they left him because they just consumed what he wanted to give to him. And when he stopped giving them signs, they stopped following Jesus. And Jesus was trying to get them to a place where he followed or where they followed him for who he was and the promises that he made instead of just the signs, instead of just multiplying food to them and meeting their, their physical needs every single time. There's this, uh, one of my favorite preachers called it this way. He says that you get in the Christian world, you get kisses and you get cleavers. And he took that from Ruth and Naomi's uh, relationship where Ruth followed uh, Naomi. She was a kisser. She, 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 oh, sorry, sorry. She was a cleaver. She, she cleaved to Naomi. Where you get kisses, you get people that kiss um and Ruth's sister kissed Naomi and she left. But Ruth cleaved to Naomi and she went with him. Friends, so many times we get this kisser cleaver understanding in our relationship with God. People want to be associated with Jesus, but when he goes somewhere where they don't want to go, they don't follow. So let me not elaborate on that more. So we have the critics, that's the Pharisees. They, they, they contradicted Jesus. The second group was the crowd. They followed Jesus because they wanted to consume what he could give them. And then the third one is you get the disciples. They communed with Jesus. And it's very interesting if you look at the type of people that, that composed the, the, the disciples. It was a fascinating group. It was a bunch of sinners. It was tax collectors, fishermen. It was a woman caught in adultery. It was the blind. It was not the, the, the people that was highly placed in society that followed Jesus, that was his disciples. 
It was the humble people that knew they could follow Jesus that constituted this group that we call the disciples. And they communed with Jesus. And as they communed with Jesus in a relationship with him, they found life's purpose in him, their temporal life's purpose in him. But they also found eternal security in Jesus Christ. It's funny how, or it's not funny, it's fascinating how this group found a hope beyond the temporal. Friends, and as we are in this season where, where the world is being challenged, they are, the, the world is, is challenged financially. And because the financial challenge, people have a fear of discomfort. If I do not have money, I will not be able to live in the comfort, in the comfort that I'm used to. So the world is challenged on a financial level. The world is challenged on a health level. And because of the health challenges that people face, we see people constantly being confronted with the fear of death. And in these fears that people face, we see what kind of foundations they have. If I, sh if I can share one verse with you that shows how the disciples' lives were changed, from a perspective of the temporal to an understanding of the eternal that they found in Jesus Christ, you will be surprised and encouraged, I trust. Acts 4 verse 13 says this, Now where they, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and, and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Friends, the disciples found something in Jesus that even though they were uneducated, untrained men, con confused, it, 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 it was a confrontation to the society around them. Because all of a sudden, these people were not scared of dying. They weren't scared of death. They were, they were not intimidated by death. And they lived their temporal life with an eternal perspective. And that is what God, God is calling us to. So that's just an introduction, the three groups. Remember this, you have the critics, the Pharisees, you have the, the crowd, the Jews, and then you have the disciples and their different responses to who Jesus was and how they related to him. Now I want to turn to John chapter 10, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I will read chapter, uh, verse 11 to 16 to you and take out a few things that I think we learn from our good shepherd, because John chapter 10 is titled the good shepherd and friends if there's one thing that the church needs in this season is a good shepherd a shepherd that knows where to go a shepherd that knows how to protect a shepherd that knows where to lead his people let's read from verse 11 in john 10 it says i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen or sheepfold. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock 
and one shepherd. In this passage, Jesus contrasts himself to a shepherd and he contrasts himself to a hired, um, a hired shepherd. The one who owns the flock and the other one who does not own the flock. And we, there's a lot that we can learn from this. But I want us to take this moment and just really soak in who our shepherd is. Friends, because if you are settled in who God is, you will be settled in your worst challenge. Because you know God is with you. I will elaborate on that now. The first thing we see, here, we, we, we see in, this, in this passage is the fact that he loves us and he stays with us. In comparison to the hired servant that does not love and he runs away when, when danger comes. Jesus loves, he lays down his life for his sheep. The Bible says that he is moved with compassion when he sees us. Then in contrast, the hired hand lays down the sheep for his life. He cares nothing for them, the passage says. Friends, in this time, the world will tell us, you need to do this and I'm going to take care of myself. The world's reaction to any crisis, to any pressure, is always to go into introspection and self-protection. Friends, but Jesus, in the time when it's most difficult, he steps the closest. That's how you know who loves you, is when you are in a troubled time, who's there. And we know you can, there's, there's so many illustrations, but the point is, when you are in trouble, the one that is closest is really the one who loves you. There's the, I heard the story this week told by Ravi Zacharias, one of my favorite authors. And he told the story about a mom that was walking around her house and she misplaced her car keys. And without her knowing, her little, her little girl was standing behind her. And as she was trying to find this the keys, she put her hands on her head and she said, I'm losing my mind. And as she said that, her little girl tapped her on, on her arm and she turned around and the little girl looked her in the eyes and she said, Mommy, you can lose your mind, but do not lose your heart because I am in it. Now, that is such a cool little illustration, the truth from a, from a, child's, from a child's mouth. Friends, we are at this moment in God's heart. The fact that the world is going through a time where we cannot define and understand and even, even try to give a solution to what, what, what needs to be done. One thing that we can comfort ourselves in is the fact that Jesus loves us. And this scripture says, he laid down his life for us. And in Jesus, the love that Jesus gives us, gives us an eternal hope. Even though we will be temporarily challenged. But with this eternal hope that Jesus gives us, he also promises that he will take care of us temporarily. I thought of this quote. It's a quote from Napoleon. And Napoleon was, uh, said this about Jesus. Now it's quite interesting if you look at leaders that the world place or put in high renown. It's interesting to see what they say about Jesus and about Jesus' character. Napoleon said, I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, 
There is no possible terms of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires. But on what did we rest the creation of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. Friends, even Napoleon said that Jesus founded his empire on love. We need to be settled in the love of our Father. Um, I was thinking about the moment where Luke was diagnosed with meningitis and, and we were in the hospital and it was one of the toughest times for us as parents, but if it was tough for us, how much more for our child that was experiencing the difficulty that he was going through, the medical procedures, the pain, the, the blood being drawn from his little body at that time. He was three and a half, four years old. And there were moments where the only, things that I could, the only thing that I could do as a father was just to, to look him in the eyes and say, Daddy's here. Daddy's here. He was going through the procedures. He was going through the pain. But the only thing that I could give him as a father is the fact that I was there. Friends, in this moment, there are many people who's trying to explain the, the meaning and the spiritual understanding and significance of what we're going through and what we must know and what we must do. And it is fascinating to see Jesus' response very much like a father when his son is sick. He's just looking us in the eye and just saying, I'm here. The next point that I want to make, so the first point I made is Jesus loves us and he will not leave us. Second point we see in John 10 is he knows us and we can know him. You can read the passage that I just read. He says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. The question that I was thinking about is what will Jesus say to us as, as his disciples, us as people who's trying to figure out how to live this life in this season? Well, how will Jesus speak to scared, confused human beings to settle them? I look at the, at the world leaders on Sky News and, and on the, the television and on YouTube and all these, all these links that we receive daily. And I can just see a bunch of people that really don't know the answers. They're trying to find the answers. They're trying to do what is wise and we applaud them for that. And we support them in that and we will pray for them. But friends, in this moment, what does the human heart need to hear? Let's look just out of John, how Jesus responds to people and how many times he, he refrains from trying to explain to them that this will form your faith, this will make you strong, etc., etc. In John 1, he says to his disciples, follow me. In John 2, the wedding with the wine running out. Jesus doesn't do a great explanation of why it's significant. He just said, I know what you need. John 4, with the woman at the well, she was living a questionable life. You know what Jesus said to her? I know you. Friends, in this moment, that is what many of us need to hear. Jesus just looking us in the eye and saying, I know you. I know you're scared. I know what you're going through. John 5, 
He looks at the man that's lying by the by the um, the bath that he had to get in to get healing. And he looked at this man and he says, "Take up your bed. You have been healed." It's quite a quite a statement. He's not explaining to him why he was there and because of it was because of his mother's and mother and father's sin. He just said to him, "Take up your bed. Get up." Sometimes we just need to hear that. Get up. John six, Jesus is walking on water. And we know the story of Peter seeing him and he says, command me to come. And, and, and Peter comes and he starts sinking. And in that moment, Jesus just said, take my hand. He just took his hand. And now John 11, we will see in tomorrow's, in tomorrow's devotion. But in John 11, it's the passage where Lazarus dies. And Jesus goes to Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha meets him and they are deeply distraught. They are they are terrified because they lost a loved one. And John 11 verse 35 is the shortest verse in the Bible that just said, Jesus didn't try to explain anything. He just wept. He just felt their pain. Friends, in many of these responses, we see God perfectly portrayed through Jesus' life. It's not about the explanation. It's not about understanding the philosophical truths of why coronavirus? Why does this take us into the spiritual, uh, spiritual predicament that we are in? It's just how we know God in this season. As a loving God that takes our hand, that's calling us to stand up. That's saying to us, I know your pain. I know your frustration. I know the anxiety that you're feeling. I am with you. That was the only thing that I could give Luke when he was sick. It's the only thing a father or a mother can give a child. And this is exactly what God wants to give us in this season. In your fear, in your discomfort, hear God's voice saying, I am with you. Friends, it's, it sounds so simple, but the gospel is simple. In a connect group that I had last week, we were discussing how to understand the Bible, how to understand the deep con the, the the deep things of the word. And it is interesting, as we were talking, there was just a moment where we said, if we don't respond to the simple things, we will never understand the deep things. How are you doing with the simple things of the word? How are you doing with the simple things that God is with you? Can you believe that? Because if you struggle understanding the simple, how will you even try to start explaining the complicated. Friends, we see in the way that Jesus knows us, Jesus never just pointed out the problem. He always gave a solution. He always drew people onto himself. Then, so we, we see that, that Jesus speaks to us. He knows us. He knows our anxieties. And then he also says, my sheep knows me. He makes himself known. In the book of Isaiah, we see Isaiah 6 where Isaiah writes, he says, I saw the Lord. We see Moses walking through the desert, through an uncomfortable situation, through an uncomfortable season in his life. And he looked to the side and he saw a bush burning. And as he decided to go closer to the bush, he got to know Jesus. 
Friends, in this season, it's not just enough to know that Jesus knows our anxieties and that he is with us. It is also very important for us to know that we can know him. He will make himself known to us. As a disciple, I was thinking about how, 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 how Jesus took three of his disciples and he took them up the hill on the, um, in, in, in his transfiguration. So not only are we called to know him, but if you are a disciple, God wants you to know him more. He will pull you up and he will call you up to the hill and he will reveal deep things to you. If you are a sincere seeker, like Nicodemus, he will lead you to the next step. He said you need to be born again. You need to be born by the Spirit. The woman caught in adultery. He said, I do not condemn you. She was a sincere seeker. She was quite young in her understanding of who Jesus was. And he just took her to the next step. He said, I do not condemn you. Now go and so no more. Take the next step. He called his disciples and he said, follow me. Let's go deeper. The blind man, he gave his sight back and he said, okay, now you can see. What will you do with your sight? What will you do with your salvation? But with the Pharisees, on the other hand, they looked at him, and we know that they just wanted to contradict his message. The Pharisees he dealt with quite harshly. He, he did healings on the Sabbath. He offended them. But he wanted to reveal his father to them. Friends, God will make himself known to you, but the, the, the place where your heart is at will determine what God will speak to you. If you are a disciple, great. God will lead you deeper. And I trust that he will. If you are a sincere seeker, I believe that God will reveal himself to you. Alright, then. So the two things we spoke about. Number one is he loves us and he stays with us. Number two, he knows us and we can know him. Number three, verse 16. I just want to read this verse before I give you the heading. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And then he goes on to say, there will be one flock and one shepherd. He loves others that we don't love. He loves others that we don't know. I believe, the talk, I believe Jesus is talking about the Gentiles. He's talking to Jews. I believe he's talking about Gentiles. And he says, there's other people that you don't even know today that I will draw closer and you will be one flock. They are not here yet. Friends, Jesus reveals the Father's heart so much that he loves us dearly. But he wants to look to us, through us, to those who don't know him. And he's inviting us in this season to help others. So those are the three things that I learn about Jesus as I read through John 10. John 10 verse 27 to 30. Let me just read this to, to give you this amazing promise that God gives us in this season. It says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I am the I am the the Father are one. Friends, there's a promise that God gives us 
as his followers. There's nothing will snatch us out of his hands. Place your trust in Jesus. He can give you eternal security. Now the question I want to ask is, do you know him? Do you know this Jesus? Or you can ask it a different way. Who are you? Are you Nicodemus? Are you maybe a Pharisee, a bit, a bit in conflict with the gospel, don't really like it? Are you one of the Jews or are you one of his disciples? And all of us have to answer this sincerely and, and honestly. And friends, I believe that in this moment, if there's some of you that know you need to settle your life into the hands of Jesus, the one who knows you and loves you, this is a moment that you can do that. And I want to pray for you. And I will pray now. The other group that I want to pray with is people who's really trusting God for breakthrough, either financially or in their health. Because we want to pray with you and trust God for his breakthrough in that. Why don't we pray together? Dear Lord Jesus, we, we love you. Thank you for the beautiful way that you reveal yourself through the gospel. Father, thank you that you love us and that you are with us. Thank you that you know us and that we can know you. Father, and thank you that you love those who we, whom we might not even know yet. Father, we pray, Father God, that, that you will settle us, Lord, in your love. Father, that in, in moments like these when people are challenged, with our face with fears, Lord, God, that you will settle their hearts the way a parent settles his children's heart when they are in distress. Lord, I pray for people, Father God, that might find themselves at a place where they don't know you. They know a lot of religion, Father, but they don't know you. Father, I pray that you will lead them. Friend, and if this is you, this is what you need to pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm scared and I'm lost and I know that I'm a sinner. Will you forgive me and will you make me secure in who you are? You are the answer to every single need I have. And I want to become your son and daughter and walk with you for the rest of my life. Lord, I pray for people who's, who's struggling financially. Lord, I pray for grace, wisdom, insight. Lord, and I pray for the church that in this time the church will arise and look after those who are struggling that we will have all things in common and that we will live what we believe. Father, we commit our church to you. We commit the church around the world to you. We commit the nations to you, the governments of the nations, Lord. And we pray for grace and wisdom, Father, and we pray that your kingdom will arise, Lord, that many will get saved, Lord Jesus, and that through this crisis that this world is going through, Father, your kingdom will come. In the name of Jesus, amen. Friends, just before I say goodbye, I have a few announcements that I just want to bring under your attention. Um, but before I do that, if there's anyone who wants prayer, friends, please use our Facebook as a platform. Use our WhatsApp groups as a platform. Can you communicate with us? We, we would like to pray with you. If you know of someone that is in need, please help us to, to serve them. Um, just the announcements quickly is remember your connect groups this week. Uh, my, my connect groups run on WhatsApp. Some people use Zoom. But let's, uh, look out for, for the, the WhatsApp from your connect group leaders. 
Uh, we will continue with our devotional um, from the book of John. Then there's, I want to ask you to go online. There's a website called Unite714. I would say most of the most of the churches that we know of, that we walk with closely around the world, has joined this initiative of praying for the world. Um, and I want to ask you to go look at that, look at the website, Unite714, and read through that. It's 1 Corinthians 7.14. It talks about our, our battle is not against, uh, sorry, it, it talks about how the church will pray in unity. Um, I want to ask you to set your alarm, take your phone, set your alarm on um, on running, giving you two uh, two alarms during the day, 7.14 in the morning and 7.14 in the evening, and take some time, take the website, there's great resources and, and ways that we can pray as a church in unity, and you will see there's a, there's a world map, there are thousands of churches that is part of this prayer movement. Friends, let's engage with God in prayer. Unite 714. If you type it into Google, you will find it immediately. And I want you to start praying with us in the morning, 714, and in the evening, 714, specifically against the spread of coronavirus and for God's kingdom to come within this time. Then lastly, your financial stewardship. Friends, as I mentioned, there are people in the church, people in our church family that are struggling financially. I want to ask you to be faithful with your finances I want to ask you to be faithful with your tithes to the church, that the church will stay healthy and a place where people can hear the gospel. And then I want to ask you that if God leads you to give over and above your tithe, to label that giving benevolence as you transfer the money into the church's bank account, we will send the church's bank account details out to you. And you can transfer that under the reference benevolence. And we will make sure that it serves people in our spiritual family that needs financial support. Friends, we love you. What a privilege to spend time with you. I hope you had a good time. God bless you. God bless all the families that's watching with us. And we will see you tomorrow morning as we continue with our devotional from John.